We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. I'm not a cocky person. I'm just passionate. Final round. Uh, yeah, I'm looking for a new podcast partner immediately. Quarantine and chill. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome in, everyone, to this episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. We are coming to you on Friday, February, I don't know the date. What is it? The 26th? Friday, February 26th. I'm Justin Graver. I'll be hosting alongside my always co-host, Justin Mello. Justin, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I can't complain. Excited to talk about Titans football with you as always. That's what we do here on the Music City Audible. And if you missed our last few episodes, we pretty much ran through every single Titans impending free agent. There are 29 guys set to become free agents as of right now, uh, uh, pending, you know, any sort of renegotiation, re-signing from anybody or use of any kind of tags. We're going to talk about all those things today. We're going to talk about what the Titans offseason might look like from a broader standpoint. And then next week, we're really going to start getting specific about free agent targets and players that the Titans might be trying to add. But today is going to be more of a theoretical, positional kind of discussion, philosophical. But before we dive into all that stuff. All right. Sorry to interrupt that intro there. This is Justin Graver, and I'm with Justin Mello right now. We recorded our episode before Thursday, and I'm sitting now Thursday in the airport and I'm wearing a mask and my audio is terrible and I apologize for that. But as you can tell by where I am, I'm going out of town for this weekend. So Justin and I recorded our podcast earlier in the week. And now this news drops about Adam Humphreys and the other cuts that have happened. And so we decided to hop on and talk about it really quick. Apologies for the bad audio. The rest of this podcast sounds great. You'll get to that in a second. But right now, the Titans have released Adam Humphreys saving $4.5 million in salary cap space. They also cut Chris Milton and Breon Borders, which, as I understand, is more of a technicality, a rule that they had to follow. Paul Kuharski tweeted it, that the Titans, because they, these two players ended their season on injured reserve and they're like restricted or exclusive rights free agents or some kind of special free agency, they had to be released based on passing a physical, which apparently they've done. So those two guys are cut. There's a chance those guys are brought back at some point. And... Yeah, Adam Humphrey's cut. We predicted this a lot. We might even touch on it in this episode. I can't remember what we talked about exactly, but so that's pretty interesting. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, it was obvious, but the timing is what's interesting. Yeah, I mean, we kind of, you know, we, we, we've touched on it in previous episodes for sure. We, we knew it was coming or we knew it was likely to come just based on the cap savings um, that were available to them. And, and Humphreys just hasn't been healthy, right? That's the thing. I mean, he's missed 16 games out of the last two years, 10 of them, which were due to, a, you know, a, a pretty dirty hit, right? That knocked him out this past season. The move saves them $4.47 million in cap space. It's precious cap space for a team that, you know, has a lot of options to create room, but, but doesn't have a ton of room as, as is. So it's $4.47 million. It's precious money for them right now. And uh, it just didn't work out for Humphreys in Tennessee. It's unfortunate. A lot of it had to do, I think, with injury, of course. But, um, it, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. So as we'll discuss later on in this episode, wide receiver is a huge need. And no matter how you slice it, whether Corey Davis is back or not, it's going to be a huge need. This just... You know, it's one domino, I guess, that it, that helps maybe make the Titans offseason plans a little clearer, even though, like we like you said, we all saw this move coming. Um, and then there's one other bit of news we're, we're going to talk about Isaiah Wilson here in a second. So 
Might as well throw out there that Ian Rappaport tweeted on Thursday afternoon. The Titans have shopped first-round tackle Isaiah Wilson, sources say, open to dealing the former Georgia standout after a rough rookie season that included a suspension, sent to the non-football injury list. A fresh start may benefit all parties. So I don't know if the Titans are going to be able to get anything for Isaiah Wilson, but NFL coaches have big egos, and lots of times they think they can fix guys. So Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you said it. It's, it's tough to imagine anyone uh, being willing to give up anything of, of real value for Isaiah Wilson at this point. But, you know, as you also said there, coaches have egos, teams have egos. And, and I imagine, let's be real, the Titans would be willing to take anything, right? Like they would take a sixth round pick or a seventh round pick. So I, I, you would think, right? So at that point, you know, perhaps you'll find multiple organizations willing to part with a day three pick. Really, those are just dart throws at the end of the day. It's not much different than signing a priority free agent, right? At the conclusion of the draft. So I'm sure there's a team out there willing to give up a sixth or seventh, but I can't imagine the Titans get any more than that. So we'll get into this a bit more on this episode uh, when we talk about Isaiah Wilson, what the options are. But if they were able to work out a trade, even for a seventh round pick, they could do so and eliminate we talk about this in a minute but eliminate what would be like a three point three point two point seven i think million dollar dead cap hit um instead it would only be a 1.1 million dollar dead cap hit so they could potentially get him off the roster for a bit cheaper than the 2.7 dead cap uh increase by the way over what his 2021 salary would be if they were to make a trade so it's like you said it's in the titans best interest maybe he needs a fresh start if they can make something happen, John Robinson is a wizard, but we've seen him do stuff like this before. So who knows? If John Robinson's a wizard, it would it'd be nice if he could get Isaiah Wilson to show up and, and care, right? That'd be the, that would be the ultimate move that they could make. But no, all kidding aside, um, it, yeah, you said it, right? Trading him, you know, is a better scenario for them than releasing him, right? It saves them a couple bucks. And uh, they get to move on and, and I guess get some sort of draft pick back again. I imagine that would be a late day three pick, but we touch on it in this upcoming ep- you know, in the rest of this episode that you're about to hear. But it's just another domino to fall that says it would be shocking if Isaiah Wilson is in Tennessee this coming season. Exactly. All right. So you teased it. Let's get to it. Enough with this bad quality audio with that. Thanks for hopping on with me here this Thursday afternoon while I sit here in the airport. And uh, here's the rest of the real episode. Let me just say the MCA listeners, they better enjoy the dedication that you and I have because neither of us were You're at the airport. I certainly wasn't prepared to do this. We, I don't have any of my equipment, so I'm sure my audio sounds just as bad as yours does. But here we are, you know, recording in a quick emergency uh, addition to the episode to touch on Humphreys and Wilson. So where else do you get this, MCA listeners? Smash five stars. Yeah, five stars. All right. Here's a five-star episode for that. Thanks, guys. And we'll see you soon. Let's talk about the Titans first round pick from last year, Isaiah Wilson, who fired off a tweet on what was it Monday evening? I think he said, I'm done with football as a Titan dot dot dot. No further comments. And then immediately deleted the tweet. We don't know if the Titans are done with football with him yet. He's done with the Titans, apparently, whatever that means. Uh, Didn't mean enough because he deleted it right away. So. What was your initial reaction here? What are you thinking now as it's uh, been a few days since this tweet? I mean, what what can you think, right? Besides a long, audible sigh, right? Like you just, you know, he can't get out of his own way, clearly. Um, you know, John Robinson sent a pretty clear message. What was about a week ago now during his, uh, you know, press conference, which, 
you know, was mainly to talk about the offseason in general. But of course, you know, Isaiah Wilson was going to come up and he sent a pretty clear message saying, hey, the Isaiah Wilson that uh, we met before the draft was not the same guy that came to Nashville. That's pretty consistent with the reports of how how much he's changed since he got drafted um, and, and came into a whole bunch of money. Let's be honest. Um, Robinson, again, was pretty clear with saying that, you know, what we expect from him, we expect from everybody else on the team. And I think that's fair, right? We don't hold him to a different standard than we hold the other 52. So, um, <laughs> and you get the impression and John Glennon, you know, our own John Glennon confirmed it Monday with a tweet saying nothing has changed from the Titan side of things. And that sort of leans towards, you know, the thought that the Titans are really going to give him a chance to come back and, and, you know, prove that he can play professional football, that not even that he can play, that he can handle himself like a professional and conduct himself like a professional. And that, you know, Titans fans are probably angry about it. I mean, who, who wants to see this guy in Tennessee next year in the fan base? You know, not really anybody, I don't think. But the difference here is and Titans have quite a few reasons, unfortunately, to give him every chance. You mentioned the salary cap uh, reason to me off the air here. They got three million reasons to try to give him a chance. Not to mention flushing a first round pick down the toilet. No general manager wants to do that. So as much as it sucks, as much as I think it is ultimately going to end with him being released anyway, it does feel like the Titans, you know, even though they've given him more than enough chances already, it feels like they're going to continue to give him chances because, you know, from a money standpoint, from a value standpoint, they, they've got plenty of reason to, to try to make this work. Yeah, the exact wording in that John Glennon tweet was, um, so, his, so his, meaning Wilson's, since deleted social media post that he's done with football as a Titan doesn't appear to have any actual significance. And I think that is the case. He, he obviously deleted it quickly, probably because, you know, I mean, that's just... I mean, it's just where, poor form as a professional athlete to tweet anything like that to begin with. Where, but where did it even come from? That's what I want to know. Like, did he have a recent conversation with somebody with Robinson or Vrabel? I mean, unlikely because Robinson in his press conference said he hadn't spoken to him the entire offseason. I doubt they spoke, you know, on Monday. I mean, maybe they did, but I don't think it's likely. Where did it come from? Like what prompted him to tweet that? on a Monday <laughs> evening on February 22nd. You know what I mean? Like we're not approaching yeah. training camp. We're not approaching OTA. Like I feel like, you know, a lot of these guys and, and I see it all the time and, and they don't always want to admit it, but a lot of these guys are emotional, man. And, and these players and they're sensitive. And I imagine his mentions are, are, are a dumpster fire, right? Like imagine what his mentions look like on social media every other minute. You probably have some Titans fan, you know, saying something to him, you know, saying, you know, <laughs> what the F are you doing? Or you're this or you're that. So, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't shock me if he just got fed up of, of reading his mentions and yeah. you know, like he's been known to do not 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 put a whole lot of thought into what he's doing and, and just fire off. the. Oh, I'm done. You know, it just. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, or, who, you know, our, our own uh, guy from Broadway, Josh Hong, who's uh, at Titans tape on Twitter. 
found a link in his Insta- in Wilson's Instagram bio and tweeted it out to this like I don't know record label company or something so there's a chance that like maybe like something happened with this record label company he's getting a chance to do some music or something and he's like who needs football anymore I'm gonna go do music now and good if luck you guys are, I know right if good you guys luck. are out there on Twitter uh our, another Broadway guy Rob Greenlaw at Rob on Broadway has a great thanks for the memories video that was floating around on Monday that is just too good. If you haven't seen it, you got to go find that one. But uh, I do want to talk about something you touched on there, the three million reasons you said the Titans have. It actually hurts the Titans if Isaiah Wilson's not on the roster next year from a financial standpoint because his current 2021 cap hit is $2.6 million. But the dead cap, the amount that it would cost against a salary cap if he's not on the team would be $5.3 million. So $2.7 million cap hit extra if you cut him. And I don't really know how, like, you know, he violated team rules and he was suspended in the middle of the season, which, like, voids some guarantees. But I'm not really sure how that affects a dead cap hit, if at all. I don't know how, like, suing him to try to get money back would actually work in terms of the salary cap. Like, maybe the team would get some literal dollars back for Amy Adams Strunk, but I don't know if like that's going to actually affect the way the Titans can manage their roster. So they're better off keeping Wilson on the roster as long as possible because $2.7 million is usually not a huge deal in the salary cap, but this year with the cap expected to drop so much with the Titans already up against it, like they need every dollar they can get. So that 2.7 million would be huge. So not only like you said, to, to try to get the most out of what was a first round pick and not completely waste it, but just to like keep themselves in, in a good financial position, they might, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they just suspend him or keep him on the NFI list or whatever, just to like keep him around. So they don't have to have this huge extra cap hit. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally get that. I, I feel like ultimately they're going to have to cut the dead weight at some point. Right. I mean, how much patience do they have? We're going to find out because I, I, I can't imagine that he's just going to wake up one day or tomorrow or whatever and say, you know what? I am ready to be a professional football player and I am ready to be a Tennessee Titan. I, I, it's an, it's almost impossible to picture that happening. So how, how patient is John Robinson? How patient is Mike Vrabel? You know, I, I said this to, uh, to, a, to a friend of mine off the air uh, the other day on, on a radio appearance that I made, but yeah, I mean, and Robinson and Vrabel, right? Like, you know they're no-nonsense guys. You know how they really feel about this. You know they, you know, Vrabel probably wants to fight him. You know what I mean? Like, who, <laughs> who are we kidding? But, I, like, the, the patience is really going to be tested because, like you said, they got, you know, several million dollars in, in reasons to keep them around and, and first-round pick value uh, to try to make it work. But I, I just don't see how they don't cut him at some point. And and you could hear the frustration in Vrabel's voice at his own last press conference where they asked him they asked him about Isaiah Wilson too and he said something like I couldn't even begin to start to tell you what's going on there or something like that like <laughs> like he doesn't even, even get it and I'm, and he's not gonna try <laughs> yeah exactly so we'll see what happens I mean it's an interesting tweet that got fired out but ultimately I don't think it's gonna have there's gonna be any ramifications like right now but like you said we'll see if they ultimately have to cut bait. All right, let's move on now and talk about the Titans offseason. Like I said, Justin and I have covered all 29 impending free agents, which includes the restricted ones, the exclusive rights free agents, and the 20 unrestricted free agents. So if you miss those episodes, go back, check out down the feed. We have them there. 
Today we're going to focus more big picture stuff because the Titans salary cap is not expected to be very, very, uh, they're not going to have a lot of room this year. And right now they're estimating it cap would come in about 181, 182 million, something like that around that total. Or they raise the floor to 180 million, which just means whatever they set it at, it's not going to be under 180 million. They had previously agreed for that number to be 175 million. So the cap will not go lower than 180 million, but the cap this year in 2020 or last year, 2020 or whatever, was like 198 million or something like that. So it's going to still be a pretty big drop. And the Titans right now, looking at their their situation, they have about, according to Spot Track, their top 51 players are taking up 185 million dollars right now. So that's like not there. That's an estimated based on whatever the projections are right now. Spotrack estimating them at 2.3 million dollars of cap room, which is hardly anything when you have 29 pending free agents. So we're going to talk now about what the Titans can do there because a lot of times salary cap is um, very manipulatable and John Robinson and company are going to have to do things to manipulate the salary cap this year. But there's a lot of guys who have big cap hits where you can go to them and restructure their contract and pay them a lot of money in uh, bonuses, signing bonuses and guarantees that then they convert from the, what would have been a weekly salary gets converted into a bonus and it lowers the weekly salary and you push that guaranteed bonus and you, uh, adjust it over the multiple years of the deal that are remaining and it lowers the cap hit. It's like magic. It's crazy stuff. So it may seem like a really scary situation for the Titans right now, but the salary cap is kind of a construct that you can manipulate easily and the Titans could free up a lot of money. And there's some really easy moves they could make to free up $50 million. Mike Herndon, Broadway Sports, about a month ago now, wrote a great article really breaking down how the Titans specifically could free up $50 million in cap room. And that's just the beginning of what they could do if they got crazy. So what are your thoughts on what the Titans might do this offseason, knowing that they have a little bit more room than it may appear? Is it an aggressive style year where the team that just made it to the playoffs uh, in back-to-back years, AFC Championship and in a home playoff game the next year, is going to be really aggressive and go for it? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think they should be aggressive, and I think they will be aggressive. Um, let's be honest, they were aggressive last year. I mean, just because it, it backfired in a major way um, doesn't mean they weren't aggressive. I would say the additions of Vic Beasley and Jadavion Clowney, um, you know, that was sort of their thought, right? That's how they were aggressive. Um, and I think they're going to be aggressive again because, look, they're in this window. Uh, they're in a bit of a win-now window, right? Guys are not getting younger. You know, Ryan Tannehill, not not that he's old, obviously, but he's, you know, he's not on a rookie contract. Let's just say that. You know, Derrick Henry's a running back. You wonder how much, you know, how many years he has left. Guys like Taylor Luan, Roger Saffold, Ben Jones, Malcolm Butler, uh, the, you know, Daquan Jones, who's a UFA this year. The list goes on and on. Uh, Kenny Vaccaro, right? This is not a super young team by any stretch of the imagination. So I expect them to be aggressive. I expect them to try to do everything they can to get better and try to maximize this window and, and really try to win the Super Bowl next year, right? That was the goal this past year. And, and that's why they brought in guys like Beasley and, uh, and Clowney to try to uh, improve the pass rush. Obviously it backfired, but um, I think they'll be aggressive again. And, and this is a fascinating, or it's going to be a fascinating off season to me uh, because, you know, uh, not going to lie to you, it, it's we don't know what they're going to do, right? As of now, it really depends on what happens with all of their key free agents. They've got a lot of big, important free agents, you know, and if they lose Corey Davis, for example, then they really have to focus on getting a big time receiver to play opposite A.J. Brown. 
if they lose Jayon Brown, they may have to go after a linebacker. If they lose Jonu Smith, they got to make find a way to make a splash at tight end. You know, uh, Desmond King at corner, Daquan at, you know, there, there's so many things and so many directions that this offseason can go in. Um, it's a little nerve wracking, right, sir, as a Titans fan, because you wonder what's going to happen and you don't want to lose a lot of these good players. But at the same time, it's also a little exciting because uh, there's potential here for a lot of movement. And hopefully some of it is is really exciting. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of movement. I think one of the things that we learned recently, Mike Vrabel did this like Titans hangout thing for Titans season ticket members or something. It was like a live show with Mike Keith and Amy Wells where he answered questions and it's available on uh, the t- official Titans podcast posted all the audio if you want to go listen to it. And it was really cool. But, you know, Mike Vrabel doesn't really answer questions for real. He just like talks in circles around the person's question. But you can try to glean little nuggets out of it. And the same thing you could glean from John Robinson's press conference and the same thing from when Shane Bowen was promoted to defensive coordinator and there was like a little line in Mike Vrabel's release. The theme here is all about improving the personnel on the team. And so I think you will see them get aggressive, especially on the defensive side of the ball, because you're, you're like John Robinson's talking about how you have to have players that can execute the defense like and you and Mike Vrabel saying you have to have edge rushers that can actually get to the quarterback. And it's like they do everything they can to not throw their own players under the bus. And that's the whole, you know, this whole thing with Paul Kaharski and John Robinson going back and forth and talking about how the edge position hasn't been good enough and the process hasn't been good enough. And John Robinson coming back with, well, we have gotten some production out of those players is like, what else is he going to say in that moment? I don't know. I, I just feel like people make too much out of what they're saying in those press conferences in terms of like what th- what it actually means for the team's plans and strategies and whatever. But the point is, I do think you can get the sense that they're going to want to add a lot of personnel to the defensive side of the ball that they see as upgrades. And the question to me is, will the people they will the players they see as upgrades actually be upgrades or will it be more of what we've got in 2020 with Javion Clowney and Vic Beasley being complete no-shows. And I actually trust John Robinson to to do the right, to get the right players. But obviously we'll see what happens. I'm going to save any panicking I do uh, until after I see what players they do or don't sign. You know what I mean? But I do think it's going to be the kind of offseason where they need they feel like they need to remake the defense. So I kind of wonder about guys like Jayon Brown and Desmond King, who I do think, and Daquan Jones, I do think like, Daquan Jones is the most likely of the three to be back. And I would probably say Desmond King is the least likely. And I, that's not necessarily how I felt a few weeks ago when we talked about him, but I think it's possible that, you know, if they want to switch to more man to man defense, which Mike Vrabel is something Mike Vrabel hinted at on his Titans hangout Q and a thing was that they wanted to play more man to man defense and that they'd be relying more on some of the rookies they drafted last year who didn't do a lot, which would tell tend to tell me that they want more out of Christian Fulton and maybe less out of Desmond King. So I don't know, like it's going to be so, like you said, it's gonna be so interesting to see who actually comes back because that'll determine where the holes are on the team, you know? Yeah, and I agree with your assessment of Desmond King. And and truthfully, I can't even remember what I said a couple of weeks ago on it. But (laughs) I would agree with you today that I I don't think he's likely to be back. I mean, and I don't know that the team will mind all that much and, you know, not trying to be uh, rude or anything. But 
You know, they traded for him in the middle of the season. They needed immediate help, but it wouldn't shock me if they don't see him as a long-term solution, especially because, as you said, uh, you know, they want to play more man coverage going forward. And that's the right decision. They should want to play more man coverage going forward. Every NFL defense should want to play more man coverage going forward. It, it's, it's a man league, right? You got to be able to play press coverage uh, at the line. So uh, it wouldn't shock me if they move on from him. And you have Christian Fulton there, right? And you expect more out of him. Everyone was so excited to get him in the second round. I know I was last year. We all thought we had a first round player there. So, um, and he was hurt, right? He didn't get to play and he didn't have training camp and OTAs and rookie mini camp preseason. So, you know, it doesn't shock me that he didn't really make the contribution um, that we expected him to, but by no means um, do I think anybody should be done with Christian Fulton. I, I expect him to come back, play a lot of football next year, and I expect him to be good at it. He actually looked good when he was on the field, right? The issue was he just wasn't on the field a whole lot. Um, yeah. But when it comes to the others, uh, yeah, you know, Daquan, again, it, it depends what's going to happen there. And I mentioned this on, on another radio show that I did recently. But with Daquan, it'll be interesting because, you know, they ran a lot of 2D lineman stuff last year. Right. So they can take this in a number of directions. Right. You know, Daquan's a run stopper, first and foremost. He's never going to be a guy that's going to uh, make a big impact on the pocket. Right. He's never going to rush the passer. He's never done it. It's not going to start now. So. Do you value that? Do you bring Daquan back to continue doing what he does? I love him and I value him a lot. Or do you think of pairing Jeffrey Simmons with another D lineman that can get after the passer more? So there's a couple of different directions they can take that in. And just like you said, you know, if Jayon Brown's not back, that'll deter, you know, yeah, you have David Long, but you know, you're going to need some depth there. That That's going to be a move that would have to be made. You got to do something at linebacker if Jayon doesn't come back. So there are just so many different directions that this offseason can go in. Um, you know, I'm excited for the dominoes to start falling and they should start falling, obviously, in a couple of weeks here. Yeah. And speaking of that and speaking of dominoes, uh, let's talk about potential tags. So franchise tag, transition tag and Mike Herndon just put out a great article about this for for Broadway sports. I encourage everyone to check out. But the point of the matter is, last year, we all know the Titans used the non-exclusive franchise tag on who? Derrick Henry. And they ended up working out a long-term deal with him. So they didn't have to pay whatever the cap hit was that year for the bigger franchise tag. But there's a possible you know, situation this year where the Titans could use the tag. The question is, will they or won't they? And what tag will they use if they do decide to use it? So... You know, like I said, Mike put out a great article about this. There's the franchise tag, non-exclusive and exclusive. And one of those is like the team can, the player can negotiate with other teams. And if the other team wants to sign him, the original team has to, has a chance to match. If they don't match, the other team has to pay two first round picks in order to sign the player. So it's kind of a crazy situation that almost never plays out because of how much of the cost that is. And then there is the transition tag, which is almost the same as the non-exclusive franchise tag, except that that other team doesn't have to pay two first round picks if the original team declines to match whatever offer the player gets from another team. So as Mike put it, and I, I pretty much agree with this, he said that there are three candidates who could be tagged this year, Corey Davis, John o. Smith, Jayon Brown. I think that when you look at what the value for the number is, what either the franchise or transition tag, and there's estimations, these are based on what the actual salary cap is. So these numbers will change once the salary cap is finalized. But so we're just working with projections right now, but Corey Davis, $16.4 million for the wide receiver franchise tag. It's just crazy. Like obviously Corey Davis isn't worth that for one year for a one year cap hit fully guaranteed. There's no way you can make a deal like that. And same with Jayon Brown at 15.6 million for linebackers. It's just like how in the world could they fit that on the books this year? 
But the one deal that could make sense is John, John Smith at tight end. And similar to what they did with Derrick Henry, where they sign and then or they tag him and then use that as an extension to work out a longer period. Because, you know, free agency opens on March 17th or whatever the date is that the league year resets. And once that happens, you know, if, they, if a player is not tagged, they, they're free to go sign with anyone they want. So by tagging a player, which you can do between February 23rd, which was Tuesday of this week is when it opened, until March 9th, you can put a tag on a player and then you can use the tag to, to work out an extension, which gives you till like mid-June or July, depending on whatever the date they set this year, which they haven't set yet. So anyway, all that to say, I think there's a pretty good chance John o. Smith gets transition tagged this offseason to be an $8.5 million contract. Another team would have the chance to offer him a deal, which the Titans would then have the chance to match or they could decline to match it. And if they decline to match it, then they don't have to pay him $8.5 million on the transition tag. So I think it's kind of like a risk-free chance to see what Jonu Smith's market will be from other teams and then to decide whether or not you want to match what the other team thinks Jonu Smith would be worth to them. So any thoughts on, on if the Titans use a tag this year? Yeah, I agree with your assessment that I think if they're going to use one, uh, it's going to be on John U. Smith. It, it's a pretty reasonable number uh, at eight million, as you said. Whereas you know you look at someone like Corey Davis and, and sixteen million is insanity, right? So that's that's certainly not going to happen. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if they use it on John U. Smith, n- not at all. Uh, you know we've talked about this, I believe, privately too. But um, you look at the pool of, of free agent tight ends, and there's just really not a lot there. And the way that this team uses their tight ends, you know, they're so important to what they do on offense. And Jonu Smith is so important to what the team does on offense that I I think, you know, that'd be a really tough loss for them and and for this offense. And of course, don't get me wrong, Corey Davis would be a very tough loss as well. But you look at the free agents out there at receiver, if the Titans are willing to pay for one, uh, you know, it's just stacked, right? Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, Chris Godwin, uh, the list goes on and on. Whereas at Jonu Smith, I mean, who's out there? I I think Hunter Henry, maybe, who's, you know, battled injuries and Gerald Everett, who's, you know, a guy who, who hasn't really lived up to expectations with the Rams. Yeah, you know, maybe he can go elsewhere and be and become better. I, I do think he's got the talent to pull that off, but that that's a big risk, right? That's a big projection that you'd be making. So when you have someone like John U. Smith and the tag is at, at a reasonable number, you know, at 8 million for what he offers the team and what he does for this offense, that, as you said, it buys you the time, right? To try to negotiate something with him long-term. I think it would make a lot of sense for them to use that transition tag on john smith yeah and then you you knock that cap hit down from whatever the 8.5 million is the same way you did with derrick henry last year so that you're not paying that all in 2021 when the cap is going to be a lot lower than it's expected to be the following year after they sign a new tv deal and add a 17th game and all the fun stuff that's going to make the cap skyrocket in 2022 so i just think that you know there's there's some arguments out there amongst titans fans about how worth it john smith is and if he's worth you know being the guy to pay and in my personal opinion, out of the 20 unrestricted free agents the Titans have set to become on the market, Jonu Smith is the one who's the most important to the team in terms of what he does for the offense, just because it's really hard to find a guy that can block and run routes and, and be a matchup nightmare in the passing game against safeties and, and linebackers. And I think that, you know, what Jonu Smith does is kind of underrated because Taylor Lewan tore his ACL last year and then Tyson Brelo got hurt and you're rolling Tyson Brelo out, who was supposed to be your fourth string tackle because Dennis Kelly was supposed to be your third string tackle because Isaiah Wilson was supposed to be worth, you know, anything, but he was a complete disaster. And so you're down to these guys on the outside that, 
you know, they they did their best and they did pretty good work overall. But you know what? Johnny Smith made them look pretty good because he was out there chipping and and giving Ryan Tannehill that extra second a lot over the back half of the year. And you saw his production completely decline. And that's a big reason why is that he was involved in pass protection a lot more. And he's also developed so much and so well as a run blocker. I remember watching him in 2017, 2018 the way that he blocked compared to what he's doing on the field in 2019. I mean, through somewhere in the middle of 2018, he really found his stride. And I have tweets, old tweets about it too, that showing his improvement as a blocker. And I really think that he's become one of the better two way tight ends in the league. His yards after catch ability is well-documented. He's an athletic freak. I think that because he disappeared over the second half of the year from the passing production, that Titans fans underrate what he does for the offense and the Titans run 12 personnel, two tight ends on the field more often than any team in the league. And they need a guy like John o. Smith who can not telegraph whether it's a run or a pass. We've talked about this, I think, on the John o. Smith episode a few weeks back. But, you know, I mean, when you have Anthony Ferkser on the field, the defense knows it's most likely going to be a pass. When you have Michael Pruitt or Jeff Swaim, they know it's most likely going to be a run. So when you have John o. Smith on the field, you know, you either bring in a, a safety in to cover him and Johnny Smith can block a safety out or he can make a linebacker look silly. So there's just so many things he does for your for your offense that I think, you know, an eight point five million dollar transition tag that you can negotiate into a long term deal and lower the cap hit of far and away to me, the most important free agent that the Titans need to resign. Yeah, I agree that he's so important to what this offense does. And and, and like you said, you know, I no disrespect to anybody, but. You know, I have seen, you know, there's a lot of Titans fans out there who talk about the production dipping towards the second half of the year or them thinking that he's not worth the money and yada, yada. But I completely agree with your assessment that, you know, really when Taylor Lewan got hurt and, and Tyson Brelo first came in and then, and then Q came in, um, he was really staying in more at the line and, and chipping and helping out in pass pro. And that obviously had a huge impact on, on the number of targets that were available to him. I mean, he was running less routes. Right. So, of course, um, you know, less balls were going to come his way. So um, it's a no brainer for me that they, they have to keep John o. Smith. So let's talk about because you mentioned that a lot of what happens this offseason is going to depend on what they do with their own guys. But you have been putting out those, you know, mock draft position in every round. And I think that it, no matter what the Titans do with their own free agents, there is the idea and the agreement amongst all Titans fans that they need to do something at the edge position. Would you say that as we stand now, that's still the Titans' number one need this offseason is to find impact edge players? Yeah, I think it should be. I, I don't think we need to overcomplicate this. I think this should be very simple. You look at the roster and which position uh, has the least amount of talent. And I don't even think it's up for debate. <laughs> it's clearly the edge rusher position. Even if all the guys there currently were under contract, and I'm not even going to include Jadavion Clowney because I, I don't expect him to be back next year. But you've got Wyatt Ray and Tazar Skipper. And uh, obviously you have Harold Landry, but and you have Derek Roberson. But, you know, Tazar Skipper. Brooks sorry, Reed. Not, don't forget about Brooks, Brooks Reed. Reed. My apologies. I forgot about old discount uh, Clay Matthews over there. He's but, averaging um, 1.5 sacks per game as a Titan. That's pretty dang good. Uh, and one of them was pretty nice, too, from what I recall. But the And Wyatt Ray's a, an ERFA, exclusive rights free agent. I, I don't anticipate that he'll be back. So, I mean, it's without a question that the, 
the biggest hole on the roster is at edge as at the edge rusher position, right? There's no doubt about it. You know, even, you know, without Corey Davis, I think it's still the edge rusher position without Jayon Brown, without the, without John New Smith, it's still the edge rusher position. So yep. it's, it's, they, they have to do something there. And again, I, and I mentioned this in the article and I know you're, you're on the same boat here. Um, it's not, you know, it's not going to fix the problem. You can't rely on a rookie to fix the edge rusher problem because they usually face a steep transition and it's tough. And you know, the typically rookies don't come into the league unless they're a Bosa brother or a chase young and record eight to 12 sacks as a rookie. Right. It's just not how something. Many, how many did chase young even have? What do you only have like six and a half? I, I have no clue. Seven that's and a half, seven and a half, and a half sacks. I mean, that's as, that's that was, as he was good dominant. as it freaking gets. <laughs> and, and he was really good. Like he was really, really good. So yeah, exactly. So, you know, whoever they draft, if, if it's an edge rusher at 22nd, I don't think he's going to come in and light the world on fire in 2021. But you still need him because the problem needs to be solved down the road as well. Right. You hope that that guy turns into an eight to 12 sack guy in 2022 and 2023 because you're still going to need that player. So for me, yeah. without a shadow of a doubt, the edge rusher is the biggest need going into this offseason. And what I'd like to see them do is something that John Robinson did and and maybe has done almost every year since he took over 2016, but I don't really remember him doing it as much last season, is is signing the position and drafting the position when it's a really big hole and you don't know what you can do, like you don't know like, the exact fix for it. You just got to throw as many resources as you can afford to at it. And when it's such a premium position like the edge rusher, you have to go get a free agent that has been productive that you know can come in and make a difference. And then you have to draft guys that you think you can develop into good players because, yeah, like you said, it, it's for down the line. And and the thing about the edge position is we just look at like Pro Football Focus put out a tweet about like the top rated by their grades edge rushers of the of the last year and where they were drafted what position they were drafted and mike herndon has done this research back for music city miracles a while back too just looking at where the sack leaders come from in the draft and it's like overwhelmingly the first and second round is where almost all of the most productive edge rushers come from and there's you know of course with as with every position there's random third fourth fifth sixth undrafted hits that you'll see on those lists but for the most part you know, and this goes for every position really is like the best players are drafted earlier, but it really seems to hit home for edge players. And I think the Titans, you know, under John Robinson, they've never invested a first round pick in, on the on an edge player. They've done two second round picks. And one of those was Kevin Dodd, total bust. One of them was Harold Landry, who's been a good but not great player for them. So I think this is the year, you know, like it, it hasn't worked yet. The approach that John Robinson has taken so far has not worked yet. Change your approach a little bit spend a premium quality pick on an edge rusher. So I think when it comes to like offseason planning and stuff, yeah, you got to go sign one in free agency because you need someone that can come in and impact the game right away. But like you said, you need someone for the long term. And I think that means spending pick 22 or trading back a little bit or maybe even trading up if a guy you love falls and trying to get somebody at 22. And obviously we'll discuss exact players and run through the whole edge position break player by player breakdown once the draft is a lot closer but for now we're going to try to stick to over overview stuff so let's talk about other potential positions of need obviously we don't know what's going to happen yet but you got to think cornerback and wide receiver are up there as well right yeah, I agree. I think, you know, you can never have too many corners and uh, when they don't have enough of them as is, uh, they didn't have enough depth there last year. We saw that 
Obviously, the injury situation was really tough there with Adoree missing as much time as he did unexpectedly. And you had all, all throughout the year, right? Christian Fulton was banged up here and there. You know, Ty Smith, I don't know how much he helped, but he was hurt here and there. Breon Borders got hurt down the stretch. Jonathan Joseph was just not the player that they hoped he would be. So they had so many issues at corner. Uh, they're definitely going to have to add one. It wouldn't shock me if they go there with pick 22. Truth be told, you know, I'm not saying they will. I don't think you should consider it the favorite, but it's probably within the top three positions that you should consider the favorite. So um, they're going to need a corner for sure. And receiver, like you said, absolutely. I mean, again, the, the level to which they need a receiver will somewhat depend on what happens with Corey Davis, of course. But even if they keep Corey, and at this point, I'd kind of be surprised if they do. Just Wait, based on- didn't you have a tweet last week about how Corey <laughs> just bought a house in Nashville and that that definitely, definitely means he wants to resign with Tennessee? I certainly did not say that it definitely <laughs> means that he wants to resign in Tennessee, but I was reporting news, which, yes, Corey did recently buy a house in Tennessee. Um, take that for what you will. It could, you know, could be a long-term thing, could be an investment. Right. So we'll see what happens with that. But um, even if they do get him back again, which I probably lean towards, they don't. They're probably going to cut Adam Humphreys. Right. We've we've covered that on this show, which means they're going to need a slot receiver. So no matter what, they're either going to really need a wide receiver or they're going to need a wide receiver. So however you slice it, they're going to have to do something there. And I imagine that something, uh, you know, will come in the draft. Yeah, I agree. I think those are two positions you're looking at in the draft more so than free agency, just because they're such expensive positions to sign typically cornerbacks and wide receivers. I mean, they're behind what quarterbacks, edge rushers and left tackles who pretty much that's what those are the top premium. I mean, we don't even put wide receiver and cornerback ahead of left tackles, depending on the players. So those are guys I don't expect them to add in free agency because, you know, if they really want to do that, they can re-sign their own guys in Corey Davis and potentially in Desmond King, right? So you're probably looking at the draft for those kinds of positions, which leaves free agency up for more filling the basic holes. Do you think they go after a tackle at all based on what's happened with Isaiah Wilson? I mean, obviously they viewed it as a huge need heading into the draft last year because they spent their first round pick on it. But then Dennis Kelly played pretty dang well throughout the year. I mean, probably better than anyone expected. And if anyone listens to Bussin' with the Boys, he was on an episode a, a few weeks ago, and I thought he came off really great. And as the potential future starter, he's got two years left on his contract. I don't know. I'm just curious. What do you think they do at tackle? Do you, is it still such a need as it was viewed last year? You know, that's such a tough question to answer because it it really depends on what John Robinson expected from Dennis Kelly in 2020. If John Robinson thought Dennis Kelly was, ah, he's a bridge guy, well, you know, he's probably not going to kill us, we'll probably be okay with him um, starting, but I need to get another tackle. If that's what he thought, then, um, then he probably doesn't, you know, he's probably surprised, right, by how well Dennis Kelly played and maybe he doesn't view it as a need or as much of a need as he did last offseason. But if he wasn't surprised with Dennis Kelly's play and he fully expected him to be solid, but still thinks he needs a long-term solution at right tackle, then then nothing has changed. Obviously, Isaiah Wilson hasn't done anything to change that. So I'm actually in the middle of writing an article now. I I don't know when it'll be out yet, but, you know, I've I've been doing these position-focused mocks, like you said, on um, BroadwaySportsMedia.com. I've done the uh, edge rusher in every round. I've done the corner in every round. I've done the receiver in every round. I'm working on the offensive tackle in every round right now. And I think fans 
are going to absolutely hate it because <laughs> I can't imagine this fan base being overly excited about spending another first round draft pick or, or any early pick probably on an offensive tackle after what happened last year with Wilson. But the reality of the situation is, and, and you kind of hit the nail on the head there is John Robinson obviously viewed it as a huge need last off season. Isaiah Wilson hasn't done anything to change that. They're probably going to have to go back to that well at some point. Again, the one caveat here is how surprised was he by Dennis Kelly's performance, right? Does he now think he can kick that can down the road or does he still think he needs one? But ultimately, it wouldn't shock me if they get one early. So I'm going to go ahead and write that article. And again, the, the, the focus of that article is really just try to get this fan base, you know, because I'm a big draft guy, as most of you probably know. Um, the point of that is really just to get this fan base familiar with some of these offensive tackles, familiar which with, with which ones may be available in each round, names to look for in round one, in round two, in round three, in round four, and so on. Now, that's not to say I'm going to hit the nail on the head. I might draft a guy in, in round two in the article that ends up going in round four, you know, but obviously I, you know, try to be as accurate as I can, try to foresee those things, but um, it, it wouldn't know. It's, you know, to kind of summarize, it wouldn't shock me if they, if they grabbed another tackle early. Yeah, so we'll see what happens there, but that's kind of the same point of what we're trying to go through now is which position groups Titans fans should start familiarizing themselves with. And I think that, you know, as weird and as awkward as Isaiah Wilson has been, I think there's a chance they do go after a tackle for all the reasons you said there. But I think it's something they could put off until next season, just given the other needs on the roster and coupled with the the depressed salary cap situation. So because one place they're going to have to spend cap room on is special teams players and whether that's re-signing their own guys or going out and getting other cheaper guys they have a lot of impending free agents who are big contributors on special teams so they're gonna have to fill those roles and that's going to cost money like we said they have a very limited amount of salary cap space right now they could create a lot more but they haven't actually done those moves that they need to do to create more yet so we'll see where that goes but it's it's kind of an underrated it's not like a very well covered position because it's a lot of positions but the special teams contributors the titans need some they're gonna have to go pay some guys how, how much money does that really take up though you know i, I mean i don't know like Reece, chris milton right is a free agent darren bates is a free agent will compton is a free agent uh nick DeZubnar is a free agent center perry is a free agent so you're right they got a bunch of you know ty smith is a free agent so they got a bunch of special teams guys that are free agents you're absolutely right about that but i mean you know, if they give a bunch of these guys one-year deals, you know, four of them, five of them, does, does that cost more than four or five million? I mean, at the end of the day, I guess that is still four or five million dollars. Yeah, so Chris Milton was on a $1 million deal. DeZubnar, $1 million deal. Compton, $1.1 million deal. Um, Ty Smith, 825000 Darren Bates, 910000 Sonoris Perry, 910000 uh, Some of these guys, I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty sh- cheap deal, but like you said, it adds up. And the thing about one-year deals is that it all counts towards that year's cap. So if they could sign some of these guys to a three-year extension or two- or three-year extension, whatever, and just knock the kick the can down the road, so to speak, and would make those bigger cap hits come 2022 so they're not – Go ahead. I'm sorry, but would you sign any of those guys to three-year deals, though? I mean, I might sign one or two of them, but outside of that, which of those guys are you comfortable signing to three-year deals? Three years a lot because most of these guys are 29 or older. Um, you know, Ty Chris Smith's Milton's the probably one. the youngest. 
Chris Ty Smith's twenty eight, Chris Milton's twenty nine. This is what this is. I'm not sure if the sorry the way spot track lists the age is kind of weird. This is what age they will be during the twenty twenty one season. So I still would have guessed Milton was quite a bit younger than that. Off the top yeah, of me my too. Head. Me too. Dezubner yeah, doesn't feel like thirty. Yeah, doesn't feel like Milton's been around for that long. Yeah, I remember when he was just an undrafted free agent guy the Titans picked up from the Colts, who was like a third year guy or whatever. Uh, maybe he was a little older than that, but. Yeah, I mean, they got some guys. They I mean, like you just said, yeah, they have a ton of guys that if you resign all those guys to five, six million dollars, I mean, when you only have two million dollars in available cap space right now, like five, <laughs> six million is a lot. And you're spending three million right in dead money cutting Isaiah. Yeah, if you cut Isaiah. So that's your special teams budget. And another speaking of special teams, another position of need that's super underrated and rarely discussed by Titans fans or media is the kicker position. And John Robinson touched on Steven Guskowski, I think. Was it John or Mike Rabel? One of them, I think actually it was Mike Rabel touched on Steven Guskowski on his uh, Titans hangout thing, talking about how it's kind of up to, we got to see what Steven wants to do. Maybe this, I don't remember if it was Robinson or, or Rabel. Saying what's what we got to see what Steven wants to do, because this guy is another old guy. He's 37 years old or 36, soon to be 37. Again, the age thing is weird on spot track, but he's old is the point. He might retire. If he doesn't retire, do you re-sign him for a $3 million deal like you had him on last year? Like, that's so much money for one position for a kicker. Like, what do you go with Tucker McCann and hope that you make more than 50% of your field goals, which the Titans barely managed to do last year and two years ago? Like, two years ago, they didn't even. So, like, it's... It, that's a very important position that they don't really have a plan for right now that you either draft a guy in like the fifth or sixth round and hope that he doesn't suck or, or you grab an undrafted guy or you pay Goskowski $3 million, which we just talked about. Is your Isaiah Wilson dead money? Like, so that's uh, a tough position. That is tough. The kicker. That's a good point. You know, Goskowski wasn't cheap last year, right? If they want to bring him back, you figure he's going to ask for a similar amount, right? Or he might not even deem it worth playing. So and that that's a good chunk of change because like you said on those one-year deals like you said you can't kick the can down the road right and whatever you're paying them that's the true value right of what what it counts towards the salary cap and then that's tough right when when all three million of it is counting for 2021 in a year where you're already cash trapped and the nfl salary cap uh isn't going to be what we expected it to be a year ago right because of covid so (laughs) the kicker position that's just another decision they have to make and and finally, you know, is it worth trying to save money and and maybe struggling there again? Like, that's tough. I know technically they struggled last year, but I thought Steven was great down the stretch. I thought he was very reliable. So I thought he was better than the numbers indicate because all of his struggles were early on. So that, that that's another tough conversation yeah. that they have to have. Yeah, I agree. So ultimately, when you look at this Titans offseason, I think the positions that they would actually go spend money on are pretty clear. It's just a matter of whether those players played for the Titans last year or not. And I think it's ultimately going to be the type of offseason we saw last year where some big money gets reinvested in players who have been Titans for a a few years now. And then there's going to be some big money invested in outside guys. And I really want to dive into those outside guys with you on next week's episode, but recap this episode and finish up this episode by talking about which guys I think might be the ones that end up being the Ryan Tannehill's and the Derrick Henry's from last year and which guys will probably be the Jack Conklin's from last year, you know? So we're seeing some reports from around the league on Twitter this week that Corey Davis is like going to be a big target for a few different teams have come out and said so. And Jonu Smith appears to be a, a pretty buzzy guy in free agency from what the NFL national writers have been tweeting clips of Jonu Smith and stuff and stats this past week. So those two guys 
could be the Jack Conklin. Do you think that I know we've covered them a lot, but I ultimately think they could both be back in Tennessee on pretty team friendly deals, actually. Yeah, I wouldn't say that it's impossible. Again, a lot of these guys, you know, we've also talked about the possibility that a lot of these free agents this year take one year rental deals. Right. And if you're going to do that to get a bigger bite of the apple in 2022, when the cap is huge or it takes it, you know, it makes a huge increase. You're betting on yourself. If you're going to do that, the smartest place to do it is where you already are. Right. Where you already know the system, where you already have some chemistry uh, with the quarterback and things of that nature. So I wouldn't completely rule it out that Corey Davis and John Smith are both back, but I'm excited to see how this thing plays out. Yeah, me too. Me too. So, I mean, it's all speculation until that happens. I do think the one-year deal thing is interesting because, like, team players, I mean, players would have to give up guaranteed money in order to take that shot at a bigger deal the next year. And I actually think we will see a lot fewer one-year deals this year than ever before because of what we just talked about when we were saying that that entire deal it goes against that year's salary cap and the saints did some crazy ass thing i think i don't even remember what player it was with now it might have been what they were planning to do with Clowney, or maybe they signed somebody where or maybe it was there the was something and, weird with Clowney. there was rumors that they were doing something yeah weird with, they, they were gonna do like Clowney last year sign him to like i think jack conklin's contract worked like this with cleveland last year also is these the idea of avoided year which i can barely wrap my head around but basically what you do is you like sign the guy to a two-year deal instead of a one-year deal but the second year is avoided year so it's not actually a year but then you can push some of the salary cap onto that next year and what you do is you end up paying that guy for two seasons even though he's only on your team for one as a way to mitigate some of the cap hit so I don't know if we may be we may see a ton of teams work out some crazy advanced complicated structures for these deals this year in an attempt to push that money down to the next season with the idea of like avoided year or whatever but it's such an interesting concept to me I don't really know 100% how it works obviously but I think that you know because the cap's going to be lower that one year deals like players are going to be leaving so much money on the table when teams are going to prefer to do two or three year deals for exactly what we're talking about so they can push that cap hit down the road and instead it, a player's going to be like no I'd rather sign a one year deal the team's going to be like well look the maximum cap we can afford this year is 8 million so we can't give you the 12 million dollar a year deal that you're seeking unless you sign for more than one year so I don't know. I saw that speculation out there on Twitter too, but I'm just not sure that I buy it right now. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. It's going to be a fascinating offseason. And is there anything else you want to talk about the Titans offseason program to say lastly before we get out of here on this week's episode? This week's jumbo episode. I feel like this was a really long one. Yeah, it's been about four, 50 minutes, almost 50 minutes, not quite. Look at that, a supersized episode of Music City Audible. Those are our best kind, those are the, what, that's what we, we do that, good, what? Hey man, all right, thanks for tuning in and listening to this whole thing. If you like the show, please be sure to go find it wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hit that subscribe button. Give us a little five-star rating. Helps us grow. Helps us find new listeners. And check us out on Twitter. You can follow Justin at JustinM underscore NFL. Interviews with draft prospects coming on the daily. Reports about who's meeting with who. We got the virtual meeting tracker going on BroadwaySportsMedia.com. It's like pinned to the side. So if you click on any article, you can't miss it. So check that out there and follow me on Twitter at Titans Film Room. 
Until next week, we will be back. I hope everybody's out there staying safe. I know it's been cold, so warm up, stay safe, and tighten up. A